0: Hello and welcome to the Aussie Nurses Podcast. I am Nat. I am Jem, and we created this podcast to follow our journey into the world of nursing. This year, as graduate nurses, we will focus on surviving our grad programs and interview nurses we find interesting and squeeze them of their advice and guidance. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can always shoot us a message on our Instagram page, which we'll link in the show notes. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hello and welcome back to the Aussie Nurses podcast. This is Nat. This is Gem. And we have our second guest speaker today, Maddie. Welcome, Maddie. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. So Maddie, we'll just get straight into it. We don't mess around too much. So tell us about where you are in your career. You're a recent grad finisher.
1: Yeah, yep. I work in a private hospital as a registered nurse. I've just finished up my grad year about a month ago now. So I'm still pretty fresh, still finding my way out there. I'm currently working in a high dependency surgical ward, but I also did a rotation through an acute stroke ward, which is interesting. It was very heavy while I was there. I was in heavy lifting. So much lifting, so much lifting. And you know, you, you lose control over your bowels as well when you have a stroke a lot of the times. So, So is your a rotation through specific areas? Do you get to go to different
0: wards? How's it work?
1: Yeah, I just, I did two six-month rotations. So this ward I'm on now, which is a high-dependency surgical and the acute stroke ward. So I went there for six months and hats off to neuro nurses, I think. They work very hard, but it's not for me. Yeah. That's probably the good thing
0: about going to different areas. You get to see where you probably don't want to work in the future and what area you may want to pursue. Mm. So you're in a high dependency area now?
1: Yeah, and it's it's great fun. I've learnt a lot of clinical skills on a surgical ward. I think it's really great if you can go there for a little while. You'll pick up a lot of your skills very quickly. I've learnt about drains in areas that you wouldn't know that patients get drains in. What's a common reason people are there? Um, we get a lot of colorectal cancer in through my ward. So they get a lot of bowel resections. Um, yeah, so... You're just recovering them. It can be hard work. It can be heavy work, but it's it's good fun when you see the progress after a while. Absolutely. What drew you to that kind of area? I applied for the hospital that I'm working for as opposed to, I know a lot of the public hospitals you apply for an area. I didn't get that choice. So I applied for the hospital because I did placement there and I really loved it. And you get to put a preference in for an area. And I actually preference cardiac because I love all things heart. And instead I got bowel but that's okay <laughs> the other end of the abdomen um but it's it's actually been really good fun I always thought I would rotate out when I was done I thought when I finished my grad year I'd go off and do emergency or something a bit more sexy but um after six months there I'm Really loving it.
0: That's pretty cool. With nursing, though, even though you may not be in emergency now, it could be something that you could eventually transition into.
1: Yeah, and you're always learning skills no matter where you are that's relevant to all areas of nursing, I think. So... I th- Yeah, I think one day I'll get across to emergency, but I think if I'm loving it where I am now, I might as well just stay and enjoy that ride. Yeah, exactly. But we work together in the
0: pre-hospital setting, so that's how we met. Yeah. So I guess having that on the side is a great way of keeping up those crit care skills.
1: Yeah, we've worked a lot of pre-hospital events together, a lot of concerts and um, sporting events. So we've seen some cool things together and done some cool things. So One of the positives, I guess yeah I think
0: it's really good having something so different on the side it just breaks things up a little bit you'd be practicing
1: different skills as well yeah I think it's a different world hey people really say that like paramedic and nursing are similar but I think it's two very different environments that you're working in and You've got a lot of your skills that you can transfer, but at the same time, it's just so different. I find they definitely complement each other, but I find a lot
0: of the assessment stuff we use in para, we don't quite go into that depth with nursing. Realistically, a lot of it's done by the doctors. Yeah. Of course, if someone says they're in pain, I'll go ahead and do a pain assessment, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have to do a full abdo assessment. Whereas in paramedics, you know, we have injuries where... um, they are to the abdomen. They're acute. It happens right there in front of us, and you do have to go ahead and do an assessment just to determine whether that this is something that could be um, life threatening, like a
1: bleed in the abdomen. Don't start tapping their abdomen with your fingers. What, what is that? What <laughs> did you did you ever actually wrap your head around that though? I put my fingers on their their tummy and I started tapping my middle finger, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's um dull. Write down dull, please. <laughs> Ah, oh, bleeding, yes. <laughs> but you meant to auscultate as well, and like yeah. we work in loud areas, I can't hear their bowel sounds feel like there are some people that are going
0: to be listening to this and just shaking their head thinking what wankers there's obviously significance to it that's why we do it but it's just one of those things I, I personally couldn't wrap my hand around either feel like a little bit of a dick
1: <laughs> other people would think that you really know what you're doing though and I think it looks good we are actually professional but Maddie what aspects of your grad year did you actually enjoy uh the full-time pay can I say that that's definitely the biggest aspect I enjoy um just going out there and doing what you've learned is really exciting because it's just so different when you do it in a lab it's all very sterile and everything goes perfectly it's and it's great and then you go out and you do it on a real person you're like oh shit like you vomit when you put a tube down their nose that's crazy (laughs) that didn't happen in lab (laughs) what (laughs) so actually doing things for the first time on patients is pretty cool and it's a lot different to what you learn so I'm wrapping your head around that yeah I really I really enjoy it did you get comfortable pretty quick though I find
0: once you've done something once you feel more comfortable sort of putting something you've learned into practice
1: yeah I'm I'm very much of the thought process that you see one do one teach one so watch it if you can do the next one and then you should be competent to go off and teach someone else how to do it. And if you're not, then, you know, probably try and do it one more time and then you should be learning. Then pick another profession. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if it's your fourth tube going down their nose and you're still like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Is this in? <laughs> then maybe this isn't for you. Do you have any good stories? Surely there would be something, like the difference between textbook and reality, um yeah i i do have a really good story um working on a a high dependency surgical ward and we get as i said a lot of colorectal surgeries coming through we have people coming back to the ward with rectal tubes which wasn't a thing i knew existed until i started working on this ward so natalie's shaking her head at me (laughs) it's a tube up your bottom and it just catches all the poo and your farts basically so I always thought that the farts would find its way around the tube, but no. So you've got a bag at the end of the tube, obviously. You don't just shit on the floor as you walk. There's a bag that catches it all. <laughs>
0: so basically I'm picturing a catheter, but up
1: your butt. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And when your patient's starting to pass flatus, that's a really good sign. But you know, all the, all the air gets trapped in the bag, basically. So um, I went and rounded on one of my patients who had this rectal tube. It was about three in the morning. I remember it very well. And um, the bag was fully inflated with air and it was, like, ready to burst. And I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to have to let some of this air out of the bag. But I didn't want to wake the patient up. So here I am squatting down beside the patient's bed, three in the morning, and I'm, like, milking the farts out of his bag, (laughs) trying not to wake him up. (laughs) And if you milk, literally milking the farts, and that's a moment in your career where you're like, how the fuck did I get here? What What am I doing? Is this, is this real? Because you explain that stuff to people who aren't nurses and they're like, no, 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 you don't do that. You don't milk a fart out of a bag. But you are. You're literally milking a fart out of someone's bag. And if you milk it too quickly, it makes a fart noise. So <laughs> milk it slowly, guys. That's my advice. Milk very slowly. <laughs> I
0: honestly don't know how you could just sit there and just keep a straight face when you're hearing those noises as you're milking it. That's just, yeah,
1: (laughs) kind of noises.
0: (laughs) Those are the moments though, hey, I had a similar moment where I just thought, how the hell did I get here? I had a patient that just had lost complete control of their bowels and it got to the point where we had cleaned them up three to four times already that shift and then it just it wouldn't stop coming and thankfully I had an AI in there to help me and I remember our eyes just locking and we're both just like we can't we can't do anything here. My face must have just looked like I was absolutely defeated.
1: Internally dying. <laughs> it gets to a point though where you're like can you just stay on the toilet like let's just strap you down to the toilet.
0: Yeah we moved to the shower that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's just like, you got to laugh at that stuff because if you don't laugh, you're going to (laughs) cry. And if they're laughing, that always makes it a bit better. You're like, (laughs) you shout again. (laughs) Do you think knowing that you're going to be milking farts would have helped as a new grad? (laughs) Or was there some sort of other info you would have appreciated beforehand? Uh, I think it would have been nice, definitely, to know that you do some things that you would never expect to be doing. I think another one that I've done is I've I've had to sift through someone's drain fluid with a hairnet once to um reinfuse it. Like they had to either drink it or it'd have to go down a tube through their nose. So I think it definitely helps. Fluids from where? Uh, I think it was a PTC drain. So it was draining like bile and the patient still needed the bile, but we were draining it all out. So we had to get all the food out of the bile that he was eating and then reinfuse the bile. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, well, apparently, we don't have medical sieves. Like, that's not a thing. So, whoever comes up with that, good on you. I think you'll make a bit of money. Just go down to Coles. Can't you get a normal sifter? Yeah, we probably could have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we felt a bit more sorry for ourselves going through with like a hairnet that we'd found, it's just like getting all the broccoli out of their bile and reinfusing. Um, so, I think it's definitely helpful knowing that when you go into nursing, you're going to come across some things that are really weird, you can't really prepare for. There'll always be someone who kind of has an idea on what we're doing. (laughs) You're all kind of finding your way out there. Like thinking about advice, I would probably say my biggest advice to give to someone who's about to start their grad year would be um, to not be afraid to press that big red emergency buzzer on the wall. That's, I think, something that's very important. I um I remember my first code on the ward happened when it probably didn't need to. And that's because I was too afraid to press that emergency buzzer. I had a patient who was in the shower and he was presyncopal. He looked terrible. He had a blood pressure of, I think it was like low 70s. And I was like, it's all right. I can deal with this. We can, we can do this. Just the patient and I will be fine. And then I was kind of like, all right, no, I can't lift the patient by myself. I'll just leave them here and I'll go get someone else. And um, you know what? In hindsight, not the best idea. That was my first mistake, just leaving the patient by themselves. And I was like, I'll just go find someone else who can help me, lift them back to bed. And I came back and the patient was passed out on the floor. So um, then you hit the button. Then I hit the button, exactly. Whereas that probably could have been avoided if I hit it a bit earlier. So I think that's really important. Don't be afraid to escalate concerns. It's very daunting the first time you do it. Yeah, especially as a new grad, you're already thinking everyone's here to judge you. Yeah, and you don't want to feel like you're overreacting and you want to feel like you're very capable. Absolutely. And I think it's a good lesson just to be kind to yourself and be able to reflect on it afterwards, just identifying what you could do differently. All the time. So I definitely hit that emergency buzzer a bit earlier now. Yeah, that would be my biggest advice. Or like if you're concerned about a patient, escalate to a MERT or a code don't be afraid that's what they're there for and don't let someone criticize you for escalating that's another big thing people are very quick to criticize when they don't know the patient or they have no idea just brush them off and just escalate it anyway it's your registration at the end of the day it's your patient absolutely so changing the pace a little bit though you've won an award yeah i won a very nice uh, quote prestigious award for a resuscitation I did on an elderly gentleman at a in the pre-hospital event work that I do with Nat, I was working some big running event and some gentleman collapsed and he went into cardiac arrest. So I did CPR with some bystanders, and that was pretty daunting. I think it was my first CPR I'd done without the support of having, you know, someone more experienced there. So I remember the whole way there, I was like shit, 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 shit. I was in a truck on my own and I remember that morning thinking, oh, it's going to be a cruisy day and it was not a cruisy day, not by any means. (laughs) And um, I actually had a few friends who I work with at the hospital who run past me as I was driving to the event and they waved and I was just kind of like, don't wave at me, I'm busy, shit, 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 (laughs) the entire way there. And um, we had a really good outcome, which is great. I had really good bystanders I think I had like eight doctors come up and help it was very handy I think if anyone's going to collapse and go into cardiac arrest having eight doctors nearby is probably the best place to do it even in hospital you don't have that many doctors show up so it was it was pretty amazing yeah and I got an award for that which was very humbling it's very nice I think the work we do is very very thankless were you you go above and beyond for a lot of patients sometimes and you don't get a lot of gratitude for it so it was very nice um but i definitely won't be expecting it again anytime soon Cause
0: that's what you go to work expecting so we were talking about this before we started is
1: that this is just what we do when you get an award you're a bit like that's what I'm getting paid to do so <laughs> yeah it was a bit like that when they nominated me I remember my boss calling me and being like hey like congrats you're being nominated for an award and I was like what for doing my job what what do you mean <laughs> and he's like no just take it it'll be good and I was like yeah but like Everyone else does this job every day. Like, Well, not everyone else, but, you know, paramedics and nurses and doctors, we we do stuff like this all the time. Why am I getting an award for it? But it's nice to be recognised. Yeah, and I'll take that as my thanks from everyone for the rest of my life, I think. That's my big thank you from all my patients because, like I said, you don't get thank yous a lot. So I take it when it comes, I think. Is it a medallion or something? Yeah, it's a big medal that I, you're supposed to wear around your neck. Um, it's very, it's very dicky. (laughs) I've always thought of like, what would people do if I showed up with this around my neck? Like, oh my God, they would be like, what a wanker. (laughs) You should. Just one day, just rock up and be like, hey guys, have you heard about this? I'm, uh, I'm a bit of an overachiever. (laughs) Spread the word. Oh, on the flip side though, really shitty days are unavoidable. (laughs) Yeah, I work with a lot of colorectal patients. I've told you this. I have a lot of shitty days, quite literally. Are there any days where you've gotten into your car and cried or been frustrated? Oh, yeah. I was talking with all the girls in my ward recently about, you know, our first cry on the ward. I think throughout your grad year, you you definitely cry at least once or twice. And the people who say that they didn't cry, they're lying. Everyone (laughs) cries. It's only a matter of time. One of my colleagues, she told me about the first time she cried. And it was during a night shift and we were just absolutely smashed. She went to the toilet and she sat down for a second and she just burst into tears. And then she thought, no, I haven't got time for this. And then she pulled her shit together. She pulled her pants up and she went back out to work. And I just think that's pretty amazing. I I generally tend to hold my cries until I get out to the car. And then I just have a little, a little like sad story for myself in the car. And I always play sad music just to really amp it up a bit. <laughs> you know, when you're feeling sorry for yourself, so you put like Fall Out Boy on or something and then you cry a bit more. That's me, definitely. <laughs> or a bit of Kelly Clarkson. I don't know, she's a good one to cry to. And belt it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to get all that frustration out. I think, it's, I think it's important to acknowledge that you're sad and cry about it and then move on after that. There's like an actual playlist called sad songs for a drive. <laughs> like, it's actually so 100% recommend. I didn't make it, but um, I'm, I've been thinking about putting my own together because occasionally when you really jam into a sad song and you're like, yeah, this is, this is effectively making me cry. This is great. Then a sad song comes on that you don't know and you're like, great, you've just ruined my crying. <laughs> if you do put one together, we'll plug it for you. Okay, that'd be great. What do you do outside of work to keep sane? Um, I was talking about this before. I'm a bit of an avid Grey's Anatomy fan. Love it. Absolutely love it. Do you guys watch it? Look, I'd like to say I had the time and I do, but I haven't.
0: Oh, you're missing out. I honestly haven't seen it. I'm not a medical show kind of person. I'm
1: more of a house fan myself. Oh, house was good, but everyone had lupus. Like, I think if you guessed lupus straight up, you were pretty much spot on. Um, with Grey's, I love watching it and being like, nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. Just everything's so unrealistic. Like you've got a doctor at the bedside at all times, which is great. Or the doctors stay and they special the confused patients. Wouldn't that be great? The amount of times I've had to be like, "No, Bob, stop pulling your catheter," or like, "Bob, put your penis back in your pants." Could you imagine if a doctor sat there all night and said, "Bob, come on, penis back in the pants." I remember having a doctor show up one day after I'd special the really. He had acute delirium. And it turns out he was actually having a neuroepileptic malignant syndrome to haloperidol that we were giving him, which was, we were trying to sedate him because he was so confused, which was actually making him worse. (laughs) We're like, oh God, he's confused. Give him more haloperidol. And then we're like, what? He's more confused. What is happening? Give him more. (laughs) Um, you know, what? it's one of those other moments where you're like, yeah, in hindsight, we probably should have slowed down on the haloperidol at some point. But I remember the doctor coming around the next morning being like, oh, you just need to reorientate him. Just tell him where he is. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I I've tried that. I've tried that several times. It doesn't work. And I think it's really frustrating. I don't know if you've had this experience, but when you have a very confused patient who all of a sudden is orientated when the doctor walks in the room and they're like oh yeah that's right I'm in hospital and I've had surgery that's right and then he's like so no, you know he's much better and you're like oh but, he, but he's, he's not he's, he's not, he's he's not. He's <laughs> not. <laughs> fucking Bob sick of it but yes Grey's Anatomy um very unrealistic I also do a lot of escape room yeah there's starting to be a big thing here yeah and I've been to a few of them I'm trying around I think it's really good fun. You realize how much you don't know? when you go into an escape room and how bright you probably aren't there's always a lot of pressure when there's math in escape rooms and you're like I do drug calcs all day I should be good at math and you're really not you're good you're good at like drip rates and all that you got that down pat but then as soon as there's like seven plus four you're like well I don't know where's the calculator well they take your phone off you so you're in this dark room fending for yourself trying to do math and now that I reflect back on it it actually doesn't sound that fun (laughs) It sounds terrible. And do like a themed ones. Do one of those mental asylums or something because surely <laughs> surely we would know something about that. I think um, it's it's good to have something non-nurse related though to come home and do. We were just talking before we started this obviously about, you know, you guys are saying, oh, we should hurry up and start because Maddie's probably got other things to do. And I was like, no, no, I am just going to go home, probably drink some coffee and um, watch Grace. <laughs> Derek just died, so I don't think I want to go back Yeah, I'm still sad.
0: Uh, spoiler alert. Oh, come on. All right, all right. We'll change topic then. So
1: uh, any tips for night shift? Um, peppermint tea. I'm sure you've done night shifts as a student or with your other jobs before you started, but you get a lot of like tummy bloating and cramps on night shift. I don't know what it is. It's probably something just very simple, like you're meant to be resting and digesting, but instead you're up and walking around. So you get all this bad, tummy like you get gassy basically and a really good thing for that is peppermint tea settles it right down and then the free hospital sandwiches as well at two in the morning that always helps (laughs) and then your patient's like oh can I have a sandwich and you're like oh no we don't have any none left (laughs) meanwhile you're like four sandwiches deep (laughs) yeah and I heard drinking lots of water yeah apparently hydrolite Because you wake up in the afternoon after you've just had your night shift, you go for your morning nap, then you wake up and you feel really dehydrated and you just feel terrible, but drinking lots of water and peppermint tea. And I treat myself to a 2 a.m. Red Bull as well. I count down to my 2 a.m. Red Bulls and I always have it with five ice cubes. I think you just get into a bit of a routine on night shift. You really need to find what works for you. And it can take a while. And even now, like a bit over a year in, I'm still trying to figure out what works for me with night shifts. Just ask everyone. I think when you start doing night shifts, just be like, okay, so what have you found works for you? So moving on to the topic of students and since we were them not long ago, have you been paired with a student nurse yet? Oh, I got students my second week in and there's just not enough staff to allocate them to. Like I remember trying to find my way around the ward and I'm having to teach a student at the same time. And I was like, but I was you two weeks ago why am I teaching you? Well I think
0: it's great I remember when I was a student my buddy and I would be absolutely flogged and I suggested that I go and do the OBS and then she go and start the meds and I'd get them to do two patients and then I'd do two patients so it's a bit of a win-win and they'd always be thankful for that because it can be stressful doing both.
1: I'm all for like learning opportunities for students and you shouldn't need to do all the OBS because you know how to do OBS but sometimes when you're absolutely slammed I think pay it forward if you're a student and just help out with the obs because that's something you can do unsupervised and then I will definitely pay it back by going through things with you that you don't understand or letting you remove that drain I hate nurses who when you've done like their students done all their obs and then they go all right now go find another nurse and go do their obs as well that's the worst but now we can be mindful nurses and then we can be very kind to our students like they're not getting paid to be there we know what it's like it sucks
0: I just think, and this might sound lame, but we are setting them up for the future and it reminds me of when I was a student and had a poor experience with a nurse buddy and how much of a setback that can be. You also want some reassurance that your colleagues are also practicing really safely. I hope if I ever do witness that, that I have the confidence to say something and then also to take them on. I do see that occasionally
1: too. It's not a bad thing, I think, sometimes to show up to a student and be like, hey, have you seen this before? Do you want to come watch or do you want to come participate? Um, I said that to a student probably when I was, It's probably about eight months into my grad year and we were doing an in-service on high flow oxygen and the student was just doing post-op obs on a patient and I said to the nurse oh I'm going to grab the student they can come into the in-service and she's like oh no like I need her doing my post-op obs and I went no you don't you know how to do them I'll just take the student she hasn't seen high flow before and good on you yeah
0: (laughs) that sounds like a good way of approaching it as well as an educational opportunity which is why students are there
1: yeah. And I think it's, you got to kind of take it head on, but also don't cause too much conflict. So just kind of make a joke about it. Like, you know how to do that. Come on.
0: (laughs) So Maddie, we're nearing the end of our podcast episode. Do you have one last story of when you were a newbie that might make us feel better about maybe some
1: things that we might end up doing? Yeah, I remember my first subcut I gave. It was in front of my manager, actually. And I was like, okay, I've done this before. I know how to do subcuts. Just do it like you normally would. And I couldn't get the cap off the needle. And it, I remember it had morphine in it and I could not for the life of me get the cap off. And I almost got a needle stick when I managed to somehow rip the cap off. And then I like my hand rebounded and almost got the needle. And I was like, oh, this is not a great start. Right in front of my manager, my first sub, subcut, like a very easy skill. And I can't even do this. Oh, my God. Could you imagine, though, like one of my first days getting myself with morphine and being like, oops. (laughs) (laughs) Also accidentally injected all five milligrams of morphine, (laughs) bummer. Oh, Maddie, it's been awesome having you on. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having me, guys. That's the end of our episode today. Thanks for tuning
0: in. If you're keen to hear more or something we've discussed has interested you, head on over to our Instagram or Facebook and send us a message at the Aussie Nurses Podcast.
1: Have a great week.